welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. Another episode of Scam Economy. This is episode 20. My, how time has just flown by. And there is a lot to talk about. I am your host, Matt Binder, and today we will be diving into Celsius. On the last episode with David Gerard and Amy Castor, we talked about Celsius as one of the Jenga blocks in the crypto crash. Honestly, it was sort of like the second Jenga block to be pulled out that really caused the whole crypto tower to start falling right after Terra Luna. But there is so much more going on here that I really wanted to dive into. And just to give you a little taste of what we're going to be talking about, on June 7th, Celsius, a crypto lending firm, dropped this blog post to try to calm its customers and clients who were worried about the crypto crash and how Celsius was going to be affected. Now remember, these customers and clients basically parked their crypto holdings with Celsius as if it was a bank. Damn the torpedoes! Full speed ahead, reads the headline of this Celsius statement. It goes on, over the past several weeks, the entire crypto community has faced a challenging time. Yada, yada, yada. We at Celsius are online 24-7. We are working around the clock to continue to serve our community. We have made it through crypto downturns before. Celsius is prepared. And it goes on. Let us be clear. Celsius identified instability in the Luna UST peg early and acted swiftly to protect our customers. Celsius continues the process withdrawals without delay. Now, fast forward just five days later and then, damn, the torpedoes. Celsius has paused all withdrawals where it remains frozen to this day. And there are a lot of rumors and speculation circulating as Celsius hires a firm to restructure the company. But we'll be getting into all of that in depth very shortly. But first, if you'd like to support this show as we now hit our 20th episode, be sure to go to patreon.com slash mattbinder and subscribe to a monthly membership. It really helps keep this show going. Hopefully very soon I'll be able to bring some people on board to help create more content and disperse the content I'm already creating in more ways. Also, you could support this show by going to youtube.com slash where you can catch the YouTube video version of this show. You can also support this show by going to twitch.tv slash where I stream the post show live and if you're an amazon prime subscriber you get a free paid subscription every month with your amazon prime subscription so why not use it to support your favorite creator maybe that's me instead of just letting amazon uh you know keep it every month if you're not already using it now let's jump into celsius and joining me now is mike burgersberg of dirty bubble media who quite frankly has been on top of this whole Celsius thing for longer than anyone else I've seen. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, I, I, you know, people should know that Mike Burgersberg is obviously a, a pseudonym. Where, where did it come from, by the way? 
Uh, I explained this on the other podcast as well, but um, I was literally like eating a burger and reading Bloomberg when I made my Twitter account. I wasn't like planning to use this for anything more than just following people and learning about stuff. So, right, right. Yeah, I heard. Kind of I, I was joke. I was listening on uh, Crypto Critics Corner when you were on there, and it it hit yeah. me that uh, when you said that, and I was like, I have to. How do I not bring up that that amazing origin story? Yeah, I, I like just dumb jokes to make my make myself laugh at least, you know. So, right. So let me ask you this first, because, you know, uh, I want to go through every little thing here in terms of like just because, you know, my, my audience is not uh, is very interested in crypto, but they're not uh, technically all like super crypto heads like I'm sure a lot of other crypto podcast listeners are. Um, so I, I want to wa- walk us through even the basics, but I want to ask you up, uh, up front first. What was it about Celsius that drew you to talking about it. And for people who aren't familiar, Celsius, I, I guess you can call it like the second shoe to drop after Terra that led to this second, uh, this follow-up uh, crypto crash, I guess we can call it. Yeah, so Celsius was, uh, well, is, was a crypto lending platform. Uh, basically what they allowed you to do was individuals could either deposit crypto and earn like a, a yield on it, which they called rewards to avoid uh, regulatory scrutiny. Um, they also had a product that was borrowing where you could you could lend them your crypto as collateral and then you could borrow dollars against it. Um, in either event, the, the company assumes full control of those assets and then can do whatever they want with it. So my, my interest in it was kind of spurred by two things. Um, First, I just got interested in the concept of what even is a crypto lending company and how are they earning yield? Um, it just seemed very odd to me that these these assets that are fundamentally, you know, non-productive economically are somehow generating this magical yield that's far above, you know, the returns you can get anywhere else in, you know, normal regulated markets. So that was that was one thing. And Celsius particularly got my interest um, really because of Alex Mashinsky, the guy who is the founder and CEO. Um, he had kind of... Uh, he claimed to have a background that was a little bit different from the normal crypto, you know, entrepreneur type. I mean, he's this older, he's in his, I think, early, late 40s, early 50s, has, quote unquote, $3 billion in exits under his belt, founded a, a company that went public and by IPO in 2004, and claimed to have been the inventor of VOIP, among other things. So he was a little different. And I figured that, you know, if any of these companies were legitimate, it was the one that was run by the guy with all of this extensive business experience. So that's kind of where I started. And just over time, it kind of spiraled from there as I discovered more and more things that were kind of wrong with the picture. Right, right. So so I guess let's talk about this in terms of like, what is it that Celsius does? Like, why would you go to Celsius? Um, and like, what did Celsius provide? Like, what is the service here that Celsius was uh, performing? So it's a little bit, you have to understand Celsius is more than just a service or just a, just a business. It really was more than that because it was built around this idea of a community and their motto was unbank yourself, um, which kind of has some ominous, uh, you know, uh, foresight, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> right. unbanking yourself is Unbanking yourself is more than just like a just like a, a tagline. It's actually like a philosophy. It's you know the 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 argument is that the banks are all learning are all earning this kind of like really high yield on the assets that they have. It's just that they don't give it to their depositors. They keep it for themselves. And so their argument was that well in crypto you know we don't have to treat you like a, a evil bank does. So if you give us your assets 
you know, Celsius's claim was that they would pay you back 80% of whatever they earned on your um, on your assets, and they would keep their 20% for their expenses and profits. Um, so what Celsius was offering, like I said before, kind of just basically two different products to individuals. Basically, you can deposit your crypto with us. You'll earn this yield. It allows you to hodl your, your assets and still earn some money on top of them while they continue to appreciate in value because everything in crypto always goes up. Um, and then the other product, the, the borrow product, was really kind of marketed. And you can especially see in the like early like 2020s and stuff, there are a lot of uh, tweets by Alex Mashinsky who was basically saying what rich people do is they take their assets and instead of selling the assets and paying capital gains, you borrow against those assets and then you can finance your lifestyle um, with these low cost, these low cost uh, uh, loans and not have to sell your crypto. So that was kind of the two things they were marketing to individuals. But it, what they were doing like behind the scenes was a little bit more complicated than that. Right. So so. So in terms of like you would you would bring your money to uh, sell like who was who was going to Celsius on the other side though like I know they would uh, you know they 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 were a lender right so who 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 are they lending to? That's a very good question, uh, and I have not had any answers to that question in terms of like the the claim or the description was often that it was like these institutional borrowers who were you know maybe market makers or traders who had these strategies whatever they were um and then would use this crypto to uh you know make yield and then be able to pay these very high rates of return to celsius um that was that was kind of how the business was often described however they also would say that there were other sources i believe it was like five different sources of income and that's why celsius was better um they also talked about you know going putting money into decentralized finance or DeFi. Um, they invested a significant amount of money in Bitcoin mining. Um, they actually were filing to take that part of their company public right before they went uh, under or they paused their withdrawals, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they had a number of different strategies that they were claiming to um, to be working on. But from what I've heard and what I've learned, it seems like the vast majority of their profits were coming from these kind of esoteric DeFi um, strategies. Now, did people who were were hodling and and letting you know uh, Celsius you know hold on to their their uh, crypto holdings, um, did they, did they know that, or did they like what what did they think was going on? Like, where did they, where did they think if they even thought about this at all? Where did they think these like enormous yields? Like, did did you mention the yield? I'm sorry. What 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 yields were they promising? And it, where did it the... varied quite a bit, but it, the highest the highest that I remember seeing was like eighteen percent. Um, <laughs> Stable coins, so dollar equivalents were earning like double digits for most of their most of the time that I was following them, um, which would have been like just the last year or so. Um, Bitcoin and Ethereum, like six or seven percent. So, I mean, regardless, all much, much, much higher than, you know, a bank or, you know, even like I guess treasuries. Now you can get nine percent on a certain treasuries. But uh, it was it, it clearly was something that was a little bit different. And Celsius actually had higher yields than a lot of the other companies in that. Uh, business, they had actually continued to maintain higher yields, even when some of the other ones like Nexo had dropped those yields. So, um, yeah, I don't really think that it, it relied a lot on the trust me narrative, you know, and I think that, you know, the the they created this aura of expertise and competence that people trusted and they didn't really ask questions about where the money was going. You know, if you if you would listen in because they would do weekly AMAs and you know, the questions were not usually about things like where is our money going or, you know, is this sustainable or, you know, is it safe? What are the risks? The questions were about things that were really kind of, you know, kind of silly in hindsight. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that 
I think that people saw the saw the or heard the story. They saw who they, who, who they thought Alex Mishinsky was and who the other people involved in the company were. And I think they kind of suspended their disbelief and put their money in because they wanted to get rich. And unfortunately, you know, it doesn't always turn out well. That, that's wild. I mean, there, there are people who uh, to, obviously a lot of people who don't even trust keeping their money in banks. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure that's a whole target market. Well, that's too. their market. Yeah, that's their market. They, they, these are people who, who think <laughs> that the banks are I mean, I mean, hey, you know what? Banks are evil. Like, I mean, let's oh, not let's not yeah. you know lie about that. I mean, come on. The whole financial industry is bad. Like, there's yeah. no question. But that's the crazy thing is that there was so much. Yeah, like the, the unbanking, but then simultaneously, you're not only entrusting your assets with this company that's existed for only a couple of years, you're trusting them with an unprecedented amount of control over your assets. Because as I, I kind of alluded to earlier, when you give your assets to Celsius, they would use terms like accounts and deposits, like kind of uh, surface level. But if you actually read their terms of agreement or terms of service, it specifically stated that those terms were meaningless as far as they were concerned. You didn't have any kind of fiduciary duty to you, you were handing your money over to them and they could do literally whatever they wanted with it. And there was no guarantee that they would ever give it back to you in the event of insolvency. You're an unsecured creditor. Like you are last in line as a customer. And that was, that was what thing for me is like one of the first things I ever did was just sit down and read their terms of uh, service. And that was, that was enough to make me go, holy crap, there is some, something wrong here because if anybody agrees to this, clearly they're not reading it or they're not thinking about what they're reading because you're handing them full control to do whatever whatever crazy things they want to come up with. You know, the, the idea to me too is like these the, the, their target audience. Sure, they don't trust the banks because, like you said, I agree too. You know, the financial system and the big banks are are terrible, evil. But the thing that they don't seem like you know. But if if it wasn't for that one little thing, you know, the whole idea that your money is safe in the bank because the government says it's going to be safe and up to a certain amount, and two hundred fifty thousand dollars is a it's it's high enough for I would say most people. It's certainly high enough for me by by many multiple. Um, so, you know, but that they wouldn't even care where their money is going without even like that, uh, guarantee of, uh, your, your money is safe, at least up to a certain, like your money's not safe at all with Celsius. You have no idea where it's going. That's, that's, that's wild. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Um, so, so it's also pretty weird that no one seemed to have, because, because for me, like Celsius, did Celsius call themselves like a DeFi company? Like technically they are right. They're decentralized finance, like firm, like that's what They're they CFI. Tech- yeah, it's CFI instead of DeFi. Yeah, and it, oh, okay. it's it was you know kind of like this weird narrative where they would kind of switch narratives based on whatever they felt like saying. You know, like DeFi is less safe than CFI because we have these alternative ways of doing things and we can lend to institutions and you what know all these CFI? other things. Does that just but mean- yeah, in practice. Is that just like centralized Celsius? finance? Oh, central we, centralized finance. Yeah. What? That's the wait. That, I, yeah. What? <laughs> Isn't yeah. that? run counter to everything that the whole crypto market's supposed to be selling what yes and actually my favorite my favorite tweet of all time and i think it always will be was uh when i had asked a question and it was the first time that mashinsky actually responded to something i had uh, tweeted about celsius um they had been borrowing money from a defi protocol and using it to like pay out withdrawals this was kind of towards the end of where things were really starting to fall apart um and actually their cto responded and literally said, like, trust the professionals. Don't listen to, you know, all the evil, you know, fudders out there. Uh, and the fact that the guy would say trust the professionals in a in an industry or whatever you want to call crypto that is predicated on, you know, you're supposed to be like doing your own research and, 
you know, people are supposed to be, you know, responsible, personally responsible for everything. Yeah, their their narrative of this whole thing was really targeted at people that didn't really know a lot about crypto, I think, which I mean, like, I don't know a lot about crypto. I'm not an investor in crypto, but like it was targeted specifically at people that who weren't uh, comfortable doing their own uh, asset deployment into these various DeFi uh, Ponzi's essentially. But that, so so basically, uh, just to reiterate, sort of the, the, the centralized finance is basically just you're giving your money to, in this case, Celsius and trusting them to determine what to invest in for you. Exactly. And other companies like that would be like BlockFi, Nexo, um, Voyager Digital was engaging in that as well. Um, so there and then there are a number of smaller ones as well. But those are kind of the big ones that are involved in that market. Now it's it's you know last week on this show on Scam Economy, uh, David we, we David Gerard and Amy Castor joined me to talk more broadly about just like all the little Jenga blocks that needed to uh, be ripped out of the tower for it to all come crumbling down. And uh, when he brought up Celsius, it, it, one of my listeners called into the my the post show that I do, like the live stream post show I do, and he called in and he reminded me. Uh, I had not remembered this, but apparently on one of the early, on one of the post shows for one of the earlier Scam Economy episodes, like episode like three or four, a listener had called in and they were like a pro crypto, you know, they and they were a crypto investor, and they were telling me how they were making all this money through yield, uh, the, the, this like great yield at Celsius. And now at that, this is like, geez, how many months ago now? Five months, I want to say, five months ago, and. I was not familiar with Celsius at the time, so I'm asking about about what's going on here. I don't remember exactly how much, like what the percentage that they told me, but it was something like that rang, you know, red flag here to me. Like that seems too high. That seems like there's a problem here. And they had said they put it all in Celsius. And when the listener mm. called down the last show, and they were, you know, they were making how how great they were doing. They're making so much money. And so that listener called in. They had said, like, you know, we should have an open call to, for that person to call back in and let's see where they are. Now, I've not heard from that person yet. This is only uh, less than a week now ago. Um, but, I mean, I got to imagine this person lost a lot. Like, were people – from the people you've heard from, were they, like uh, – were they just letting everything sit with Celsius or were they actually – taking some of the the profits like was there actually were there people actually making money here um, Other than, i mean of there course, were people the that got employees and yeah uh, you know, yeah well the employees i don't think make all that much money uh but uh the people at the top i think made some money uh, yeah, um, yeah that's what i'm right there were people that got out in time yeah there were and um you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with you know, legal proceedings and things because they might be subject to clawbacks and other things that uh, might make them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit less happy about their experience with Celsius. Um, but a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people had a lot of money. Um, some people, all of all of their money. Um, and I mean, life savings. We're talking. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of messages from people who lost everything. Um, which, we but I mean, you know, technically, technically, they've just paused re withdrawals, right? So we don't actually know back so it's possible people can recover a lot I, I and i can't tell you in detail what their financial condition is i have my suspicions but um there's nothing i can prove so it'll be a you know some time before we find out you know just how much people are actually going to recover from this 
Last I saw, I think they they had hired a like a law firm that specializes in like restructuring, you know, firms like this. Is is, is that the case? They're they're currently trying to work through. Yeah, this? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like that's uh, it, like bankruptcy is on the table, but I ha- I haven't heard anything to that, you know, certainty to that. In fact, um, you know, I believe they also hired City to kind of consult them or consult with them about trying to figure out ways to deploy their assets or whatever, but. Um, I mean, part of the issue is that a lot of their funds are locked up in relatively illiquid investments that are not easy to uh, monetize. So, you know, and it becomes difficult, too. I mean, if you think about uh, they were borrowing a lot of dollar equivalents and then they have crypto as the kind of their assets and crypto has been you know, declining rapidly in value over the last couple of weeks. So it, it, their position might actually be worsening as time goes on. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a difficult situation, and I I feel bad for the uh, all the employees who are trying to you know salvage the situation. But how big how big is Celsius the company? Like how many uh, people do they have working there? How, what's their what? What's I had heard nine hundred. Not what what nine hundred? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how many? How many? They had expanded we, rapidly. Do we do we? And they're only like what like four years old or something, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. 2017 was when they were technically founded. I think 2018 is when they really like came off the ground. Um, and I, you know, I don't know in detail, like how they grew or how rapidly. I think most of the growth was relatively recently and most of the hiring was relatively recently. Um, do, do, but yeah, we, they had, I believe, 900 employees. Do we know how much uh, their whole uh, in holdings they have? Like how much, you know, of their customers, like how many customers do they have? Do we know this sort of thing? Well, they had over. They claim to have over 1.5 million users, but only. But then they'd also say only like 500 some thousand were actually active. So it's a little bit difficult to know how many people had funds on the platform. Um, the other thing that's difficult to disentangle is that they were accepting funds from other sources. Um, there's a company called Nuri in um, Germany that was sending them. Essentially, their business model was take people's Bitcoin and then send it to Celsius, and they claim to have about 200,000 users. So it's not really clear if like Celsius was counting those users in its total or not. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I mean, this significant exposure and it's worldwide. It's not just in like just in the US. It's um, it's probably, you know, they have offices in Israel, um, multiple offices overseas. So, yeah. So uh, do, do from the people you spoke with who had uh, left, you know, trusted their 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 money with um, with Celsius, did do you know where some of these people were finding out about Celsius? Like, for example, when I, I I've, I've done a few episodes about, you know, Terra and it's a stable coin that was traded, you know, on all the, you know, major uh, exchanges. So it's easy to see how someone dipping their toes in, you know, a friend tells them buy some Terra. Uh, it's a good investment. Buy some Luna, the sister coin, um, and they just go to one of the like Coinbase, to the most mainstream of U.S. exchanges, and just easily buy some of that. But it seems like they're for to to a understand the Celsius and then b even discover it to begin with. There seems like there has to be some you know higher bar of entry to even do that. Do we know how people were finding out about Celsius and and how they came to to decide this is this, this was my, this is where I'm 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 staking my, my my cash. I think I think a lot of it was you know social media. Um, there's a you can still find all the videos on YouTube. There's tons and tons and tons of videos, both from the company as well as from various um, like finance crypto people who claim to know what they're talking about. Um, whether or not those people were paid, I don't know. Um, but there were a lot of people on Twitter as well who were very active in promoting Celsius. Um, Celsius had a um 
what do you call it? Like a rewards program essentially for recruiting people. Um, I think it was like $50 in Bitcoin per person you w- recruited. So for some of the people who had really large audiences, you could make a decent amount of money actually pulling in customers. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. And I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it, I mean, again, it comes back to like, you know, whatever else he is, I think that um, Alex Mashinsky is a good salesman. I think he knows how to convince people that something's a good idea. So like by doing those AMAs every week, people said, oh, wow, look how look how um, transparent this company is. And they're, they're, he's willing to come and answer all our questions. And I think that, you know, people would come and ask questions. And unfortunately, I don't think they really asked the right questions. But because they got answers to the questions they asked, they thought this was an honest company that was doing, you know, safe things and kind of went forward with it. Let's actually get into a little bit into uh, Alex Mashinsky because I, I know he's a he seems to be a colorful character with a, a colorful past. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about him and how he came to, uh, you know, to starting Celsius? Yeah, so I mean, prior he came he came from Israel. Um, I believe he was from Ukraine initially, um, and then went, was in Israel. Um, claimed to have finished college, but I don't believe that was the case. There was an article in Bloomberg about that. Um, Served in the Israeli Defense Forces briefly, I believe. Um, not really sure what his position was there. Um, and then came to the U.S. in the 90s. Um, tried his hand in a number of different businesses that didn't really uh, pan out, and eventually got into like the telephone switch, building telephone switches, and kind of got interested in the VoIP business, which is the voice over IP, um, which we're using right now with Skype. Uh, and so one of his his claims that he would often rely on was that he was the inventor of VOIP or that he had quote foundational patents on VOIP technology. Um, and that, that's simply just, it's absolutely false. Um, you know, the, the technology been invented well before he got involved in the field and his patents are actually involved in a very different type of technology. Um, but long story short, he built this, he built a business, um, and he had this idea and the, the, the original idea that he had, and he did have an original idea was for selling bandwidth via exchanges. And that was actually what his patents in the mid-90s were for. Um, and then he founded the company called Arbonet, the exchange, which was kind of built around this idea. Um, incidentally, it's funny that uh, the other company that got really big into bandwidth exchanges was actually Enron. Uh, and Enron <laughs> kind of got the idea, apparently, from Mashinsky. There's an article in the late 90s about that prior to Enron collapsing. And that was actually a big part of their fake business that Enron was uh, supposedly making money on that didn't actually exist. But regardless, um, so Mashinsky is able to build this company on this idea. Um, but it, it sounds like, from everything I've read, that he wasn't a very effective executive. He would spend more time kind of jet-setting around and making deals that he couldn't fulfill while all the other people in his company were desperately trying to just keep things afloat. Um, my favorite story is at one point, uh, the inv- other investors in the company got upset and were going to fire him. And so he came back from, I think it was China, some some business trip, and actually fired like everyone, like his entire executive staff. And then a few days later, had to hire them all back because there was nobody to you know run the company. Um, and then shortly after that, so this, there's a really great article about him in 99. That's just like really interesting. It covers a lot of this stuff. Um, but then like in 2000, he was fired, forced out as CEO. Um, eventually he's not even on the board. Um, 2004, Arbonne goes public. Um, he describes this as the, the best IPO of 2004, um, which Google went, I would, went public in 2004. So that gives you some ideas, the credibility of that claim. Um, Arbonne survived for a few years. I don't know if it was ever profitable, um, eventually it was sold for like less than a 10th of what it IPO'd for. Um, 
So it was a failure. Um, I think he made a lot of money off of it, but but from a, like an investor's perspective or from like a sustainable business perspective, his first company was a, a spectacular flop. Um, and he's kind of followed up with that ever since with various companies that kind of never seem to really get off the ground. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm guessing he keeps the, uh, the, uh, the, I know it's not directly to Celsius, but I'm guessing he keeps his, uh, ra- his connection to Enron sort of, <laughs> he didn't include that in yeah, the resume. <laughs> no. So, so Enron stole his idea, actually. That's the thing that's funny about it is like Enron stole this idea for this bandwidth exchange from essentially from him is because he was just talking too much about it, but like, it wasn't even a good idea. That's the thing. Like, it it was clever, but like even even before this company like went bankrupt, there were a lot of people saying this isn't even really a sustainable business model. There's not enough volatility in the price of bandwidth to even like make it a viable like trading. You can't really trade bandwidth. Like, it's just not worth trading it, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you know who literally yeah. loved my previous idea? You ever hear of a little company called Enron? I mean, that would have <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. would have Funny, yeah, that... it? <laughs> that would have probably kept people away yeah. from Celsius. Yeah, let's see how good your next idea is, and who who, who wants that one. So, it but seems... he makes other claims too. Like he claims he claims like he invented Uber. He invented the technology underlying Twitter. Um, he claims that one of his companies called Elematics had many of the patents for like cloud computing. Um, so he makes claims like that throughout his career. You can actually go. He has a website. I think it's Mashinsky.com, and you can go through his like claimed resume and just read it and see what you think. I mean, and these are all I, everything I looked into. I, I mean, I don't, I never found anything to substantiate most of it, but you know, maybe I missed something. Damn. I mean, he, he's fooled some people. Cause I was looking at some of his, uh, you know, on his Wikipedia page. I mean, who knows who, who keeps this up though? His Wikipedia page. Maybe I could ask Molly White about it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he was listed as uh, a business insider, Silicon Alley 100, the New York's coolest tech people in uh, 2010. And uh, his uh, VoIP IP was recognized by internet telephony magazine. Uh, didn't never mm-hmm. heard of it before. Uh, yeah, so he certainly uh, is uh, tricked some people, it seems, into writing about some of his uh, embellishments. Um, yes. So it, it seems like he's not the only person. Well, it doesn't seem like this person is with Celsius anymore, or has been for maybe a little bit. But what wasn't their CFO arrested? Yeah, so that gets into one of the the other reasons I really started looking into this company, which was the guy named Mashi Hogek, uh from Israel, um, who is an interesting character himself. You could you could do like a whole probably series on his on his life. Um, has kind of an interesting like his career is very similar to Alex's in that they both kind of started out by forming this like telecom related company that was kind of got, got a lot of attention, but ended up being a failure, um, made some money on that, then made his own VC firm and started like spitting off all these crazy companies, most of which were crypto related. Um, so long story short, it turns out that this whole was running multiple scams um, in the crypto space. Um, one of them was called Siren Labs, which was essentially uh, claiming they were going to build a blockchain-based smartphone technology. Um, and that went nowhere. It was a scam. Um, and they made a bunch of money off of their initial coin offering. Um, and there were a number of other ones as well. So it, oddly enough, it turns out that Mashi Hoge was an early advisor to Celsius Network. Um, he actually shows up in the white paper. Uh, early investor in Celsius Network. Oh, that's and then interesting because they had, when, yeah. when this had come out late last year, they had uh, distanced themselves and they, 
you know, basically said, uh, we were recently made aware of a police investigation in Israel uh, involving an employee. I guess they're talking about their CFO here, not uh, Mm -hmm. Moshi. But um, while this is in no way related to the employee's time or work at Celsius Network, the employee was immediately suspended uh, but that that also makes it seem like like, like okay the CFO uh, I think his name is what Yaron Shalom Shalom um, yeah they, they're distancing from him but they're also making it seem like th- there's no like Celsius connection at all when you're now you know you're sharing with me that not only was like their CFO doing something on okay on his personal time unrelated to Celsius like not tied to Celsius, but he's doing it with someone who Celsius was previously working with from its earliest moments, like from its founding. Yes. And it gets better because conversely, Mashinsky, Alex Mashinsky was an advisor to the Siren Labs project that uh, Mashi Hoge was running. I uh, was an investor in that project. Um, oh my God. And his name is, I mean, it's all, it's on all their websites. It's not like, it's not like I'm like, people are always like, oh, you're making this up or blah, blah, blah. Just look at the website. Just go look at their, go on the internet archive, go look up the website and you'll find it. It takes about two seconds. And in fact, so Mashinsky has this venture capital firm called Governing Dynamics. And actually right on that website to this day, as far as I know to this day, it still brags about participating in that project. Uh, so that goes all the way back to 2018. And the, one of the reasons I really started taking this all seriously was that the first AMA where I ever actually asked Alex a question, I asked about, you know, hey, we heard that the CFO was arrested. Can you tell us about that? And he told us that he didn't know. He, he was like, uh, it has nothing to do with that Hogeg guy. He pretended like he didn't know who this Hogeg person was. And I mean, clearly they've been doing business together for years and years. And so the fact that he felt the need to kind of try to obfuscate that was shocking to me. It subsequently turns out that uh, another executive, in addition to Mashinsky and the former CFO, uh, were tied to um, Hogeg, their CRO or their chief revenue officer, which I still don't know what a chief revenue officer actually does. Um, he used to be an attorney. Of, the chief of all the revenue, obviously. Chief of revenue. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, whatever that means. Right. But uh, the, the, he, was he, he doesn't have much to do nowadays, Hogeg. it seems. You know, He doesn't have much to do yeah. nowadays. <laughs> Now he has he probably is sitting around doing nothing, but he was he was he was Mashihoge's lawyer. Uh, oh, he represented him in a number of deals, both both okay. in crypto and in other deals, like when he purchased uh, the soccer team in in Jerusalem. So, so there's what, three connections. So what what is what did, what what did Syrian Labs do that that was uh, I guess uh, illegal? Like what was what was their what was their scam here? Like what were they what were they pulling? They said they were going to do something and they never did it. I mean they they raised over a hundred I think it was over one hundred thirty million dollars with their initial coin offering to build this phone. Um, essentially, the project never went anywhere. Eventually, they got sued by. Uh, the company they were renting the space from for the factory. I don't think, I don't, I mean, I think a prototype was once built and then it was like going to cost like $10,000 or something ridiculous. It was never delivered on. And that's a, that's a, that's a consistent, I mean, multiple projects that were like this, that, um, that Hogate participated in. And there was, there was another one actually, they they were going to create a stable coin called, uh, I think, Soger. And actually Celsius was also involved in the early stages of that project as well and promoting it and saying that they were going to allow staking in it. Um, So, there's, I mean, the connections go back a long time and they're, I mean, they're, they're there, they're very clear. And the fact that they didn't want to admit that, I mean, you know, they could have, they could have spun it. They could have said, Hey, you know, we, we did business with this guy and you know what? It turned out he's not a good guy. And I, we wish we'd figured that out. But we've since, you know, cut ties, blah, blah, blah. They chose not to do that. They chose to try to hide it, which tells you that, you know, there's something there that they're not, they don't want people knowing. Right. 
Right. Yeah, because it seems like if you hire, it seems like especially in this world, it would be you know in crypto especially. I was thinking of you know finance in general, but especially in crypto, um, you know there are uh, quite a few bad actors. Uh, so it seems like you know you basically could like uh, you know throw a rock into a crowd, and the odds of you hitting someone who's a bad actor seems pretty uh, pretty good. So like if you just come out and say like oh we hired this guy and he turned out to not be who we thought he was, and we've cut ties, it's a horrible thing. We're gonna make right whatever we can that had to do with us. Seems pretty simple. That it seems pretty straightforward. That I th- I think a lot of crypto people would be uh, very receptive to that. So for them to just straight up try to hide something, it seems like it's it's got to be worse than just they happen to hire a bad actor without knowing about it. Exactly. So let's let's talk about speaking of uh, you know uh, these various different uh, you know uh, Siren I think it was Siren Labs them not delivering their project. Uh, Celsius has their own token sell token um what what is like how does that how does that uh factor into the business model or is it just one of those things where like we needed to raise money uh you can own a piece of celsius or something like that well so yeah the narrative changed around that that token over time um if you read the if you read their white paper which unfortunately i have done um it makes for great reading. Um, the whole model of their business is is a quote unquote flywheel, and the flywheel essentially is they issue the token, people buy the token, and then they they loan out the assets from customers, and then they buy sell token back on the market to drive the price up. And essentially, the idea is there's this virtual virtuous cycle where basically sell token gets the bump bump from this all this yield that's being earned. And it builds this like sustainable system where the, the money is paid out in this token. So the original idea, and if you look at the white paper, cell token is referred to as the backbone of Celsius network. It's like the core idea of the whole project, actually. Um, and then subsequently, as the as the uh, as the uh, performance of that token has uh, plummeted, um, the narrative changed to, well, cell token is not the company. It's only a part of it. You know, it's just one thing we're doing. It's not the whole thing. And you know, that does a great disservice to all the people who heard that narrative and bought in because of it and then subsequently found out that they weren't going to do anything to uh, support it. Um, the, the really the valuable thing to my mind that Cell Token did for Celsius was that the company retained ownership of approximately half of there were, I think, 696 million tokens. They retained half of them on their balance sheet, 117 million of which were never supposed to be sold and, and just kept in the Treasury forever. So they would mark that to market on their balance sheet. So at one point, you know, the highest that price of that token ever got was $8. So they had $2.6 or so billion dollars on their balance sheet in this token that was just value that came out of, you know, nowhere. Um, because it wasn't, I mean, the thing is, oh, it's unbelievable. But because if, if, number one, they, Alex himself said this in many AMAs on Twitter, the company said it, uh, they were, the company was the largest buyer of the token in the market. So literally the company was dictating the price of the token. And then simultaneously it's their one of it's, it's the company's, the company itself, like is their largest asset on their balance sheet. Right. So it allowed them to spin over $2 billion up out of nowhere. And, um, that factored in, definitely factored into their, uh, raise of $750 million, um, a few months ago from the, um, Canadian pension fund, CDPQ, and the investment firm Westcap, they, they were using this like for for the company. This was like that was where their value came from, 
so it, it, it's really, I mean, amazing that something like that was, you know, that somebody was willing to invest in something like that without doing a little more due diligence, because it, it doesn't really make any sense when you think about it for a couple seconds. I, 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 I think this is I really want people to follow along what, what you just said. So I want to I want to like slow it down and just reiterate here and sort of like break it down. And please correct me if I'm, I'm missing anything. You know, uh, so basically they they printed up these this money, this these sell tokens. They give themselves mm-hmm. a large pot of it. And uh, again, they they didn't put the money into the pot. They're just taking some sell token, no cost to them. Uh, and then they start selling them. And uh, the, the price of the sell token hits what you said, like a, a, a high of $8. And they say, mm-hmm. oh, all, all of ours are worth $8. Now, mind you, I want everyone to understand this. Being that they never put the money in for their uh, quantity of sell token – that actual $8 times the number of sell tokens does not actually exist because, again, they took a whole, you know, a whole pile of them, no cost to them, and they're just holding them, but they're also valuing their pot at $8. So if they were to just decide to sell that all off, everyone else who put in that money, uh, that's where, you know, that's where Celsius' uh, you know, $8 uh, sell-off, uh, you know, their, their profit would come from. And all those people would be left with nothing because, again, Celsius never put anything in for their token supply. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is the market could have never sustained any kind of real selling from the company. I mean, the, the volume traded was very thin always. And the company, again, was the largest buyer. So if the company became a net seller at any point, uh, the price would have tanked to, you know, basically nothing. Um, there's no evidence that the company ever did that. But the point being that, you know, the value of the token was uh, on their balance sheet was really, yeah, it was meaningless. Right. Um, they it's sort of like, you think about it like, yeah. think about it like a, a company going into the stock market and buying its own stock up and buying all of its own stock and being the only person buying the stock on the market. It kind of becomes a meaningless like abstraction at a certain point. Um, because this token doesn't confer anything. It doesn't give you any ownership on Celsius. It doesn't give you any special. Pri- it gives you. It gives you the privilege to earn like more yield on their platform and a couple other things. But in terms of like actual like legal benefits or like uh, rights or anything, it gives you nothing. You know, it's, just, the, a, it's just a token. Wouldn't, wouldn't in that stock market example though, wouldn't that even still not be as bad? Because even then, the company would still have to actually put forward the money to actually buy their stock back. Well, so the the argue that Celsius claimed that that's what they were doing. They claimed that they were going on the market and buying this token. That's what they claimed they were doing. All right. Okay. Okay. I see now. All right. Got Whether it. or not they were, I don't know. It's very hard yeah, to say. Yeah, that's and they, and they also had relationships with market makers making the market for these things. So they basically controlled the whole market for their own token. It's it's a little uh, incestuous. Right. Right. And also, I, you know, I'm thinking of. Because I, you know, I I was following the whole, uh, you know, really digging in and doing. I did some reporting on all those uh, shit coins and meme coins that were popping up every other day. Uh, I mean, they still are, but especially during that like height of like the influencer uh, promotions of them, uh, like last summer. And you know, these 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 guys were just printing up coins, not putting their own money in, and keeping a whole swath of it, and then selling them to uh, you know retail investors. And then just selling off their coins that they spent not a dime on, and that's where their profits were coming from. And you know, it was a it was a risk free investment for them because they didn't spend any money on the uh, the tokens they were printing up. Yeah, exactly. So so let's let's actually um, hold on. I had another 
question here. Okay, so this this is what I uh, came to here uh, in terms of I, I was looking into this. So Celsius is where they are right now, obviously because of the whole you know crypto crash we're seeing right now. But it seemed like there were prior investments over the past few months that had failed. That I'm sure put a dent into their uh, their you know their their business. Uh, I, I read that um, they lost money on an investment in a company called Badger Dow, and then they had holdings in uh, Terra, which we all know what happened there a couple of weeks ago. But then I came across this company that apparently is the one that is uh, the, the thing that's hitting Celsius or hit Celsius the hardest, and that is uh, uh, Lido or Lido Finance. Can can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that and and what's going on there? Something uh, they they you they were they're a company that, or a firm that invests in staked ether. I'm guessing that has to do with uh, staked ether on the Ethereum uh, the, the new Ethereum network that isn't really public yet. Yes. So before that, uh, for Terra, yeah, Celsius had over five hundred million dollars invested in Terra. They escaped that position pretty much intact. I think their losses were maybe ten million dollars. So they actually got out. Uh, okay. And actually, in the process, they were one of the key contributors to the basically the collapse of of UST. So uh, it shows just how much of an effect these big players can have on the market of uh, decentralized finance. Anyway, uh, yeah, the staked ether thing was interesting, and that's something that I kind of discovered by accident that I think had a lot of effect on on people's opinion of their oh, wait, I'm sorry. I just financial wanna, I just situation. Wanna, I just want to I just want to pause right there. Did you did you just say I guess I'm it's, I'm taking this all in. It's, there's so much here. Uh, so you're say, you're saying that when, when Celsius pulled out of Terra because they pulled out so early, and I guess they had a, a, a pretty big holdings, they helped they yeah. they they helped tank Terra by pulling out yeah. everything. Yeah, right, right. Okay. There's there's analysis done by by Nansen, the blockchain analytics firm, that showed that Celsius is one of I think seven major like large wallets that contributed to the DPEG. Um, Actually, I was like live tweeting it when that happened. It was kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, they because they were so big. I mean, they had it, at least 130 million in UST. I mean, that's a large a, a large amount for one wallet to have, and they cashed it all out in a few hours. Um, so they basically sucked a bunch of liquidity out. That was, I mean, you, whatever you wanted to say, whether or not that was something they should have done or not. I mean, they should have been investing in an obvious Ponzi because that's what Anchor Terra was is a Ponzi scam. So they were investing their customers' money in a Ponzi. So what if that tells you about what their strategies are? Um, right. But yeah, I mean, they escaped. And in the process of escaping, they helped tank the market. So that's something to consider. And initially, the company lied and said they had nothing to do with it, then subsequently kind of walked that back. Um, right. Makes sense. But going back to they're the, also interconnected. Yeah, but go back to the uh, yeah, state ether. Yeah. You know, they don't want to admit they don't want to admit that that they hurt the crypto market because there's this weird like fake camaraderie that everybody has. But in process, of course, everybody's just trying to make money off of each other. So it's kind of a funny uh, dichotomy there. Um so, so what Celsius had done with specifically with their Ether position, which was, I think, the second largest uh, set of like customer assets they had under management, um, they had taken a large portion of it and had staked it into this ETH2 deposit contract. Um, theoretically, you're earning like 8% yield or something on that. But the problem is that it's all locked. Um, you can kind of think of it like a, like a certificate of deposit where you have like you put it in for a set period of time and you can't take it out until that period of time is over. The only difference is being that there is literally no way to get the money out at all with this ETH2 contract. And it's kind of an indefinite period. It, it can't, it won't be unlocked until this transition happens. And I think for a period of time after that as well. So they can't access these funds. Um, and I think it was over 200,000, 288,000 ether was what I found. Um, I think, 
I think Coindesk reported like 325,000 recently, but they, they a large portion of their ether, they had locked directly up in this ETH2 contract and had no way to use it. It's just, it's, it's in this contract, it's gone. Until they can get it back, it's just sitting there. And then an additional, at least 480 some thousand, they had staked indirectly through this Lido service. And what Lido does, and this is one of the craziest things to me of, of crypto, the concept of this is nonsensical. Uh, you could deposit, if you gave them your, your ether, they would deposit it for you into this S, into this um, staking contract, this ETH2 contract. And then they give you back a token called staked Ether. And for whatever reason, the staked Ether was valued by the market as being exactly worth one Ether, right? Even though, like, if you think about it, it's, it's, it really should be valued at a discount because you don't know, there's no guarantee that this transition to proof of stake is ever actually going to happen, right? There is some uncertainty about that. You don't know how long it's going to be and you can't use it. At least with Ether, you can use it to pay the, you know, pay the gas fees or whatever. Like there is some like theoretical utility to having Ether. You can't do that with staked Ether. However, the market traded it, treated it exactly the same as Ether. I do love the, how the, the Ether, protocols. I, I do love how the Ether utility is to pay the fees that are given yeah. to you by Ether. That's about as much utility as you get in any crypto. That's about as much utility as you can possibly get. If you can pay everybody else fees for using it for the benefit of, you know, being part of the future of finance, you know, it's, it's a, but yeah. So long story short, you can get this like derivative that they treated as equivalent to ether. And then all these DeFi protocols said, Hey, that's great. Come and give it to us and we'll lend against it just like it's normal ether. Right. So the problem with that is, you, because that because the ether that's there for under underlying this derivative asset is totally locked and inaccessible, there is no way to exit this STETH except through the market, right? And so what I was doing for a while was I had, I had collected a number of their wallets and I was just kind of following their positions. Every once in a while, I would just tweet out like, oh, hey, here's like my audit, like jokingly, here's an audit of like their positions. Like here's how much ETH they have here and there. How much, here's how much they borrowed, et cetera. And uh, someone else contacted me and said, you know, hey, like what percentage of their ether have you found? And I was like, I did the math and I'm like, well, looks like I found most of it. Um, and they said, well, if you think about it, if you look at the, there's there's really only way to one way to sell this ST ether and it's through this like liquidity pool called Curve, right? There's like this like pool, it's like a decentralized way of, of trading assets essentially. If you look at that pool, there wasn't even enough liquidity there for Celsius to exit their position. And they were facing large withdrawals at the time. So the issue became, they only have so much ether they can actually access to give out to customers. The rest of it is locked up either locked up totally and inaccessible, or it's in the form of this derivative that right now is worth almost an ether. But then after that Terra collapse, it became worth less than an ether because people realized that maybe there was some risk involved. So they, they couldn't exit the position. And it showed that like technically they were already insolvent and that if they tried to exit the position, they would crash the market and become even more insolvent. And on top of that, they had borrowed against it. They had borrowed hundreds of millions of dollars against it. So it became this really difficult situation for them where they're kind of like trapped. Uh, and I think that I think that kind of uh, that kind of worried people just a little bit. This, you know, this is this is something else that they're just all these people have entrusted them with their savings and their money. And they you know, they they do this with it. And then we just talked about them throwing it at a literal Ponzi with what we were just talking about with Terra Luna. I mean, this is just, you know, and, and apparently we don't even know who they're lending money to this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh particular, the whole thing is that they're a lender. Uh, I, I will say the whole idea of 
crypto lending is so like I, I never un- like I know you said we don't know who they're lending to, but I don't even understand who the market is there. I mean, the, the one the one interesting thing I've ever heard from this is that right when uh, the one good use of crypto lending, and this is a very specific use case, is that when um, when uh, Yuga Labs, the uh, makers of the uh, the Board Ape uh, Yacht Club. When they were uh, doing their ApeCoin uh, airdrop, basically they have a cryptocurrency now, and anyone who owned a Board Ape NFT was going to get an airdrop of free ApeCoin as like a thank you for being part of the community. And apparently, someone realized that there was a Board Ape in like this like holding block or something for this company or firm that uh, allows people to like rent crypto assets or something like that like rent nfts again i don't know why you would do that but this guy found a pretty great use so he rented he he took out a crypto loan uh i don't know who he uh, took out the loan with but he took out this loan and he then rented that board ape from that uh company and because he was technically the holder of the board ape at the time when Yuga Labs did the ApeCoin uh, airdrop, like the next day or two days later, he's the one who got the free ApeCoin. He got something like two hundred thousand dollars in U.S. dollars for just holding that board ape, and then he returned the board ape to the rental company, and then got his money back minus like whatever small fee there was for the rental, and like the hold to hold, and then he returned the. Uh, money back to the uh, he paid the loan off, and he so he then walked away with two hundred thousand dollars in free ape coin, and I I I think that's the only uh use of this whole idea that I've ever seen that made any sense, and it's a very niche specific use case. Yes. Yeah, it's you know ultimately all this amounts to is you're moving things around in a circle and changing things around in sleight of hand, making it look like there's all this yield being formed by printing printing tokens and destroying tokens, burning them and switching them back and forth and creating all these derivatives and moving them between chains. At the end of the day, there's no value created here, right? It's, de- it's actually destroying value because we're burning all of this energy. We're burning up all of these graphics cards. You know, like it's, it's literally the most wasteful thing that's probably ever been created. Yeah. And there's nothing produced. Right. There's nothing produced. The fact that I've spent the last year studying this stuff makes me kind of sick to my stomach because it honestly, it's like the most useless thing that's probably ever been created. Do Do we know how much? Again, I, you know, I know you said we don't know who were they lending to. Do we know what you know what people were paying for those loans? Like what what they uh, advertised as what you know what you know what your annual rate well, was. So what, or- what they would advertise to customers, you could borrow for as little as one percent from Celsius. Hmm. Right. But the the trick was that you had to over collateralize your loans. So like if you wanted to borrow against Bitcoin, you would give them for every dollar you'd borrow, you'd give them four dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then you could get that one percent loan. What they would do then is then take that collateral and then reloan it out to other places to generate yield. So that's how they would make money on those loans to customers. This is all based on rehypothecation of assets. Right. Um, in terms of what their institutional clients were paying, uh, that's that's something I have no answer to. Um, it had to have been in order in order to have been sustainable. It would have had to be, you know, in the high double digits, just based on what they were paying out. Um, in practice, like I said, though, I think I think most of where their actual like I think at one time they were making money. I think at one time they may have been actually making enough to pay the yield, and that was all in 
these DeFi protocols, various pools, um, kind of really this weird esoteric things like on Solana and other chains where they're just swapping money around. And really, you know, they really weren't ultimately they weren't really a lending company. They were really I mean, it kind of makes it sound more uh, uh, illustrious than it is. They were kind of like a hedge fund that was just like engaging in all these incredibly bizarre and risky trades to try to like generate all this yield. Um, they really weren't, I don't think institutional lending was ever like the major part of their business, even though they kind of portrayed it like it was. Right. Right. And I, I just to give people an idea of where we are right now. And I, I thought this is, you know, the, the, the tweets that, that, uh, you know, people were, have been sharing and I, I grabbed some screenshots myself on June 11th. So that's just, uh, uh, 11, 12 days ago. Um, Alex Mashinsky from his own Twitter account, uh, there was another Twitter user, another like uh, crypto guy who uh, uh, talks about how he's hearing about Celsius accounts being locked and people can't withdraw. And then Alex Mashinsky himself tweets at him, uh, this other Twitter user, Mike, do you know even one person who has a problem with drawing from Celsius? Why spread FUD and misinformation? If you are paid for this, then let everyone know you are picking sides. Otherwise, our job is to fight TradFi, traditional finance, together. And literally less than 24 hours later, Celsius Network makes <laughs> the announcement that they are pausing all withdrawals. And that's, that's still where we are. Like This is still where we are right now. Exactly. Yes. Um... He made it. Yeah, that, that was the thing. They were never very careful about some of the things they said. And um, for weeks before they announced they were pausing withdrawals, um, there were these issues where they kept cropping up where people were placed on, quote unquote, hold, hold mode, which was the company's uh, supposedly the company's way of securing your 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 account in case of like a, a concern that maybe you're being hacked or something. I um, mean, people kept reporting like, hey, I can't access my funds. And uh, the company would say, well, this is just, you know, FUD. It's the people trying this, the short sellers trying to uh, trying to spread spread rumors and things, and there's no truth to it. And of course, eventually everyone ended up in hodl mode. So uh, it's, you know, kind of ironic, I guess. Right. And of course, there was that uh, that also that prescient uh, blog post as well, where they uh, they tried to again officially through like the official Celsius uh, Twitter handle. And then also they put like a medium post up damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is them trying to to tell everyone everything's okay just moments before yep. they are holding people and it worked right it worked for a so, lot of people it worked and that's the thing that's so people were well, defend, I mean, look, people were were believing them and trusting them up to the very end weren't they wow people still people still do Jeez. there's a lot of people that are still saying that the money's there and that they're going to get fully reimbursed and that you know everything's okay and I mean, you can't, you know, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on that. I mean, if you just lost your life savings, I mean, I guess I would be in denial too. Um, and you'd believed in somebody as much as they believed in this guy and, and in this company. I mean, you know, you almost can't blame them. But at the same time, yeah, it's kind of obvious that, you know, things were not as they seemed for a very long time. Uh, right. And to uh, to to uh, close out here, this has been fantastic. Really helped uh, me especially. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners walk through all of this because uh, Celsius is uh, uh, obviously, I think, very purposefully a very confusing business model where uh, they were portraying themselves as something and doing something even more uh, sort of uh, convoluted in the background. Um, you are currently uh, – your, your 
longtime Twitter account that you've been using, uh, the Mike Burgers at Mike Burgersburg account, the one that you've been doing all this reporting, all this uh, detective and investigative work into Celsius on. Um, you suddenly, just hours after I reached out to you at that very account through direct message, um, you got all of a sudden locked out of the account. What what happened? Um, I still don't know. Um, the email and all of the login information was changed apparently. Um, when I tried to access the account, like I was logged into it and then I, I uh, was away from my computer for a minute, came back and was logged out of it. And uh, when I tried to log back in, it said the email that I was using didn't wasn't linked to that account or whatever. So, um, yeah, I tried to tried to recover it, and uh, Twitter is saying that they can't help me now. So, I don't know if someone tried to access it and was somehow able to change the login credentials or what. But um, apparently, Twitter is not going to help me recover that. So that's gone. Uh, unfortunately, Mike is dead. Um, <laughs> and obviously, we don't we don't know for sure who or what. Oh, I who mean, knows? You know, right, Twitter right. is Twitter is a cesspool. I mean, anything anything is possible. And I mean, I've had other issues too, where I've had tweets reported and things, and I, I'm pretty careful about trying to be respectful for the most part. I mean, occasionally maybe I lose my temper a little bit, but uh, I, I try not to say things that you know break the rules. And and I've gotten reported, and I've gone through a lot of crap with it. So, right. you know, the funny thing is that if this if this was an attempt by someone to silence me, um, they're about a day late and a dollar short because uh, kind of already did far more than I ever set out to do with this. So hey, who knows? Maybe they thought you were onto something else and you, you, you should look back on something and maybe, you know, maybe there's another big shoe about the drop in all this and they thought you maybe. were on the cusp of it. And well, I, I was mean, just asking questions about Voyager. So maybe that was it. I don't know, but, Oh, well you might have to come back on another day for that. Is that related to Celsius <laughs> or is this something, uh, another, well, yeah. uh... Voyager is the uh, Canadian, uh, actually publicly traded company that, has an exchange and they also do this crypto lending. They actually had a large amount of funds with Celsius for a long time. Um, apparently had exited that position uh, in time. However, that turns out they also had very large exposure to the three euros capital thing, which just exploded. And actually today they just announced that they got a massive bailout uh, from Mr. Sam Bankman Fried and FTX, uh, the second crypto lending company after BlockFi to get a bailout from him in like a week. So, um, yeah, I was just curious. I really don't know much about them. I was just kind of asking questions about like trying to figure out like what their wallets were and stuff. And that's when things went disappeared. But who knows? You know, I mean, maybe maybe it's all a vast conspiracy against me. Maybe it's maybe it's nothing. It doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, fortunately, this for me is just kind of like a kind of a weird hobby that I never really wasn't like making my livelihood from it or anything. So well, no harm, no foul. I really lost anything, in my opinion. Well, all of a sudden, you're uh, from what I've seen. Uh, you know, you seem to be the uh, number one, at least in a critical way. I'm sure there's many pro Celsius experts out there, but uh, I, I don't think they're much in demand right now. <laughs> I yeah. don't think you need anyone talking about how great Celsius is, where no one can access their their funds. Uh, you know, it's just an incredible story. Just another, uh, and, and you know, it seems like something so big, but it really is just like another blip on the whole crypto cog like it's just unbelievable i uh, mike uh mike burgersberg thank you so much for for joining me and where where can people i know you're not at mike burgersberg anymore on twitter at least at least for the time being but um where can people find you right now so uh, my twitter handle is now at dirty bubble med med because um, I couldn't spell out the full thing. Um, it's just under Dirty Bubble Media. And then I, I uh, have a Substack, which is Dirty Bubble Media at Substack. Um, 
and that really is where I have a lot of the stuff that I uh, really put a lot of time into. So that's that's kind of where the, the the real the real meaty stuff is. So if you're interested, go there and you can learn about more than just Celsius. I've written about other things too. So. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through all this. And we will be following everything that unravels and happens down the line with Celsius right here on Scam Economy as we approach episode 25, 30, 40, 50. Who knows what will happen with Celsius and all of these customer and client holdings that are currently frozen in their accounts if they are really actually frozen in their accounts. We'll, fi- we'll find out. Let's just say the temperature has dropped. It's cold. The accounts are definitely frozen. And if you're a customer or a client of Celsius, you're probably wishing right now that we were dealing in Fahrenheit. Patreon.com slash to support this show. YouTube.com slash for the video episode and post-show live stream as well as twitch.tv slash mapbender for the post-show live stream support this show by leaving a review on apple podcasts and spotify and telling all your friends about it scameconomy.com for the podcast version of this show check out my other show doomed at doomedcast.com follow me on twitter at mapbender and with all that said i will see you all next time on the scam economy.